In every church, you will hear that the most important thing is discipleship. Get discipleship right and you get everything else right. Christians are disciples of Christ and so on. Is discipleship, this word, a trending buzzword or is it really rooted in scripture? Hi, my name is Terence and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Today, I review the message of discipleship, authentic followers of Jesus in today's world by Peter Morden, 276 pages published by InterVarsity Press UK in January 2019. Available in Amazon Kindle for $8.99 and free in Logos until 15th of November. Peter Morden is the senior pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Leeds, England. He did his PhD on Charles Spurgeon, wrote a book on Charles Spurgeon and worked at Spurgeon College, previously as the vice president and director of training, now distinguished visiting scholar. Now, Morden doesn't only have Spurgeon in his mind. He also has Andrew Fuller, Baptist history, and also discipleship, which is the topic of today's book. Today's book comes from that stable of utmost pedigree, the Bible Speaks Today series. The series editors are Alec Mortier, John Stott, and Derek Titball. I can easily so easily recommend the Bible Speaks Today as your very first commentary series. But before you buy the whole set, I know you would want a taster, and for that I would recommend any of the books written by John Stott, or even today's book by Peter Morton. The Bible Speaks Today series aims to, number one, to expound the biblical text with accuracy, number two, to relate it to contemporary life, and I would say this is where it truly excels. Number three, to be readable. While I have not read every book in the series, of the many I have read, they all achieve those three aims, and today's book is no exception. In the introduction to this book, Morden starts by making the case for discipleship. What is it? Why do we need to learn it? And where do we start? Later on in in this chapter, Morden lists four features of his book. The first feature is a focus on Jesus. He writes, I quote, Some studies on discipleship concentrate more on the life we are to lead than they do on the one we are to follow. He later writes, It stands to reason that if we are to follow Jesus closely, we are going to need to look to him more than we look to ourselves. So I'll try to give space in this book to contemplating Jesus, his character, and his ways. This explains some parts of chapters which may, at first sight, seem to have little to do with discipleship. Their inclusion springs from a deep conviction. It is when we fix our eyes on Jesus that we grow most as disciples. The second feature is a focus on the gospel. The third feature is a stress on whole life discipleship. And the fourth is grace and glory. These four features unify 
for the reader the key principles behind discipleship, and they undergird every chapter in this book. The book is structured as follows. I quote, This book has three parts. The first, which has four chapters, gives foundational teaching for our journey of discipleship. The second, also four chapters, points us to the resources for that journey. The third, consisting of eight chapters, encourages us in the day-to-day practice of following Jesus. Finally, there is a chapter on finishing the race, that is, the life of discipleship. End quote. So let's jump into my reflection on each of those three parts. Part 1. Foundations of Discipleship What do you think is foundational to discipleship? I assume you have heard or have uh, uh, experienced this uh, discipleship uh, journey. So what do you think is foundational? And um, what do you think would be the supporting verses? Well, I think you already know Morden's answer to this question. I have already told you. The foundation to discipleship is the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. In part one, there are four chapters. And they are chapter one, following the crucified Lord, Mark 8, verse 22 to 38. Chapter two, following the exalted Lord, Mark 9, verse 1 to 13. Chapter three, following the missionary Lord, Mark 9, verse 14 to 32, and chapter 4, the disciples call Isaiah chapter 6. I like how Morden does not assume that readers know the Lord Jesus well enough and all they need is just to uh, get some pointers to be a good disciple. Some would say that I already know Jesus. I just need you, I just need someone to tell me what to do. No, 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 no. Don't go off in a rush. Uh, Morden, Peter Morden here, brings the reader to the Gospel of Mark. And he wants us to see what the Bible says about following Jesus. We don't read here about Morden's discipleship journey, how he came to know Christ and how he grew in his uh, discipleship or his following of Jesus. This is not a memoir disguised as a how-to book. We don't learn here how to grow one church to be a hundred. The foundation to discipleship is not yours, uh, mine, uh, personal growth, or even our own personal salvation story. Nor is it even the great kingdom expansion, but at its most basic, core, fundamental basis of discipleship, it is to follow the Lord Jesus. Now, let us not assume that we all understand what it means to follow Jesus. Let us stay here for a moment and Morden stays in this uh, thought for four chapters. And what do you get here? I give you one example. Consider these uh, verses from Mark chapter 8, verse 34 to 38, and later on I'll tell you how uh, Morden breaks it down. Mark 8, verse 34 to 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he, uh, Jesus, said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it 
for profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him with the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, taking that passage, Morden breaks it down, and these are his five expositional points. The way of the cross is for all who want to follow. The way of the cross means embracing the possibility of death. It requires complete consecration. It involves loss of rights, and it is the way of life. So that is uh, the subheadings, and he elaborates more. And... Um, when he elaborates, he here he quotes uh, Richard Franz. I quote, The metaphor of taking up one's cross is not to be domesticated, I like that word, domesticated into an exhortation merely to endure hardship patiently. And later in the same quote, it says, While it may no doubt be legitimately applied to other and lesser contexts of suffering involved in following Jesus, the primary reference in context must be the possibility of literal death. End quote. Morden does not smooth out the difficulty of discipleship, as you can see. Yet even as he stresses the glory of the cross, the radical nature of discipleship, the willingness to sacrifice our own life for the Lord, he also elaborates within the same book, and very quickly, I might add, he stresses the radical grace of discipleship. For we all need grace because uh, despite our best efforts, uh, we will fall. So here in the book, we see how he puts together the glory of the cross and the grace of discipleship. If you paid a close attention, you will notice that the structure of his five-point outline follows closely with the Bible passage. And that is what Morden does for the whole book. He always puts the passage up front, then he breaks it down, and basically he puts his nose to the Bible, and he shoves our noses so close to the Bible that we can smell the ink of the pages. Now, some readers, I know, will find this approach tiresome. I say to you, please, for the sake of your soul, adapt yourself to this writing style, this way of letting the Bible outline be your outline. Um, I ask that you follow the contours of Scripture. Let its thoughts be your thoughts. Now, not every book needs to be written in this way. I, I admit that. But when it comes to core beliefs, things that are very precious to us, we need more Scripture, not less. And that is what modern offers to us. Part 2. Resources Now, when it comes to resources for discipleship, if you could pick Four resources, what would you pick? What do you think every disciple needs in order to be a true disciple? Well, let me tell you Morden's pick and see how do you compare. First, what every disciple needs is the Bible. I'm sure you'll pick that. Then, what every disciple needs is prayer. Again, I'm sure you picked up on that. The third one is uh, in uh, Morden's uh, four-item uh, four list is the Holy Spirit. 
How dare we take the third person of the Trinity to be a resource? Now, before anyone gets too uppity, all modern means is that disciples need to lean on the Holy Spirit. We cannot do discipleship without the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, the Holy Spirit is a precious resource for all disciples. Fourth, and lastly, modern picks the church as an essential resource for discipleship. So we have um, four chapters that corresponds to these uh, four resources. Now, did you think of something else that you would consider equally important or even more important? If you did, well, just keep it in mind and uh, we will come back to that before the episode ends. I'll tell you where to uh, put your idea uh, for this, uh, even within this book review. Now that Morden has shared with us his four resources, Bible, prayer, Holy Spirit, and church, now I'd like to ask, what are the best supporting Bible verses? How can you demonstrate from Scripture that this, these um, four resources are truly, from Scripture, uh, important for the disciple? Okay, let's, let's try this, okay? Let's try. For the Bible, let's see. How about, how about that verse? All Scripture is God-breathed. That's, that's a good one, right? I mean, I'm sure you'll agree. It's, it's a great one. And that is what uh, Morden has. He also has another one, and that's something from the Old Testament. Can you think of a verse that would fit very nicely? Something about from the Old Testament, about the Bible, which is also the law, precepts, commands. Well, yes, I, I think you can remember. Uh, it's that super long psalm the super long psalm, Psalm 119. So that's what Morden has uh, supporting his, his um, the, the Bible is a critical resource for all disciples. All right. So what about prayer? Which Bible verse would you pick to bring out the importance of prayer? And this is an easy one. I'm sure everybody would get this. Or at least, I mean, I'm a long-time Christian. And that is... The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 15. Yep, uh, Morden has uh, an entire chapter on prayer built on the Lord's Prayer. So great, we are on a roll. Now, third one, it gets harder, yeah? So what about the Holy Spirit? Well, maybe something from Gospel of John. Maybe that passage where Jesus tells the disciples about the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good choice, but that's not the one he uses. Modern has picked uh, Ephesians 5, 15 to 20, which says, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And uh, he also sp speaks on uh, these uh, spiritual gifts, and uh, he, he uh, cites, uh, he refers to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, which uh, I would have picked 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, um, because that is where you have uh, all the spiritual gifts, talking about speaking in tongues, uh, prophecy, and so on. But Morden's choices here are just as good. He actually writes a, a very insightful chapter on, on this. And uh, lastly, for part two, we have the church. Now, which verse would you pick? And this is a bit hard. I mean, you have lots to choose from. And uh, Morden picked Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 to 25. Now, it's not the most obvious one. It's not the easiest verse to link to the church. And I invite you to have a read at Hebrews 10, verse 11 to 25. It's the one that actually has at the end over there saying that do not give up meeting each other. 
And I think that it would have been easier to talk about the church by uh, referring to the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, or the bride of Christ, which is found in Ephesians 5, also in Revelations, or, you know, talk about the living stones and the royal priesthood of all believers in the epistle of Peter. So, so anyway, the idea over here is that you have uh, resources, and then he builds it from uh, scripture. Okay, he takes scripture and then he unpacks it so that he proves his point. But why did I ask you about your choices? Yeah, isn't that a bit tiresome? Why am I asking you? And the idea here is that well, you could have easily picked those resources, those topics yourself, and also those Bible verses, and. Uh, if you did not know anything about discipleship and everything I just said uh, was just a blur, well, I can assure you that if you called a friend, they would have told you something similar. Then you could very well ask now, well, if I have the answers, if I know the answers to these questions, then why bother reading this book? And I just want to say that it is comforting to know that the answers he shares are not new to mature Christians. As Christians, we are not in the business of creating new products. We are in the business of the old rugged cross. We are literally doing things by the book, the good book. So when, when we see these things that are common in a sense that is very familiar, let's not say common, it's very familiar, it is an assurance that Discipleship is, um, is not so foreign to us. It is part of our, our Christian living. That these are the Lord's Prayer uh, about the church, the body of Christ, and so on. These are familiar things. Okay, So what Morden offers is a point-by-point -point clarity about on, from these verses. He unpacks what Scripture says and as he as uh, often uh, happens, if there is someone who can unpack it better, who explains it better than he can, he lets them. In the chapter on the Holy Spirit, Morden begins with these words. I quote, If we are going to follow Jesus faithfully, then we need God, the Holy Spirit. Yet many disciples today do not pay sufficient attention to the Spirit, at least in practice. Jim Packer, Okay, this is J.I. Packer, expresses powerfully what happens when we fail in this area. So here is Packer's quote. Okay, So I'm going to read to you Packer's quote, and he is describing uh, after, uh, the consequences of neglecting, Okay, neglecting the Holy Spirit. I quote, You slip, he says, back into orthodoxism, orthodoxism and formalism, getting stuck in a religion of aspiration and perspiration, without either inspiration or transformation. The religion of low expectations, deep ruts and grooves that become graves. End quote. Um, Morden loves this phrase um, because he brings it up a few more times in the chapter, and I love it too. Maybe I don't read it right, so sorry for that, but I'm going to read it again. All right, it's a religion. The danger is that we get into a religion of aspiration and perspiration without either inspiration or transformation. The religion of low expectations, deep ruts, and grooves that become graves. That's the title of a book or a song or something. Grooves that become graves. We are stuck in a rut. Now, does that describe some of us? Well, Morden is clearly a man 
uh, who likes a good turn of a phrase, and I am just happy to be served his collection of quotes uh, in this book, uh, which are all related to discipleship. So I enjoy reading all these uh, nice uh, phrases that he has collected over the, I'm sure, over the years. Part three: Practices of Discipleship. After finishing part one, the foundations of discipleship, and part two, resources for discipleship, we are now ready to practice it. Okay, so let me ask for the final time, because this is the final part. Okay, what would you like to include in practices of discipleship? Okay, well, Morden has included a variety of subjects, including love, evangelism, finance, and daily work. So how does you know discipleship work when it comes to our daily jobs? And if you think he could have included more topics, so maybe you have thought of some, well, Morden agrees. Um, there is more to cover. In the introduction, he writes, this is emphatically not the complete book on discipleship. And he says that if he had more space, he would have included a chapter on the environment and a chapter on the home. So as Morden clearly shows, discipleship is a whole life thing. It is a 360 thing. It is a 24-7 thing. It's not just about prayer with the family at night or worshipping on Sundays for an hour or two or four or eight. It's talking about discipleship in every aspect of our lives. So there are clearly more topics than there are space in this book. Now, among the eight topics that Morden uh, puts together, I found one topic that particularly stands out. It's a chapter with the mysterious title, Discipleship in the Dark. Okay, in the dark. It's an exposition on Psalm 88. Now, if you can, you should read uh, Psalm 88 now, just to see why it's a very, very strange choice for a book on discipleship. It starts in despair. And it ends, well, listen to how Psalm 88 ends. But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Psalm 88 ends with darkness. It doesn't end with praise. Now, let me just read uh, at length Morden's explanation on, his, on this chapter. I quote, the psalm is, in fact, extremely bleak from beginning to end. Taken at face value, there is little obvious hope. This is the reality, the bleak reality of Psalm 88. So why expound it in a book on discipleship? In fact, I have a feeling that a detailed consideration of Psalm 88 in a book on Christian discipleship may be a first. Why do it? It is a fair question. The psalm seems at, seems at first sight irrelevant. No explicit mention of Christ, no explicit mention of discipleship, no mention of community, no mention of disciple-making mission. 
And uh, later on, a bit later on, uh, I quote, And yet, as I have preached on this psalm and talked to Christian disciples about it, I have found it resonates with many. Yes, Psalm 88 is a bleak psalm, and yet this is one of the very reasons it is a fine psalm and a vitally important part of God's word for followers of Jesus. It relates especially to the times on our journeys of discipleship which are incredibly tough. The darkness closes in and we feel utterly alone. God himself feels distant and seems deaf to our prayers. Many fine believers have experienced such a time, memorably described by John of the Cross as a dark night of the soul. For all who find themselves in such darkness, this psalm speaks both to us and for us. It is a vital resource for all who want to live under the Lordship of Jesus, the suffering servant who said, Take up your cross daily and follow me. End quote. I was so impressed by what he wrote, I mean, the stress that he placed on this psalm and its importance, that, that, that the night I read this, I... I then read, read it to my family before we went to bed. And I asked my children, um, where do you bring your sadness? And, uh, and we explained that many people in, uh, will go to alcohol, will go to girls and hear the children giggle a bit, or go to movies and games. But where does the psalmist go to? Or to who does he go to? And we see here that he goes to God. If we are to judge any book by any measure, it should be by how the book makes you read the Bible, how much it makes you want to read the Bible, and how it makes you take the Word of God seriously. And so, by that measure, Peter Morden's book is a great book because it impressed upon me something that I felt I needed to share with my loved ones. Here are my final thoughts. I finished this book in nearly one sitting. The book has the right focus, Jesus and the Gospels. It has the right approach. Just unapologetically expound the Bible. Just pick the scripture and just unpack it for us over and over again. It has the right tone, very humble, helpful, sensitive um, to the realities of discipleship, even the dark side. So I thought that was very helpful. If I could, I wish that this be the first book on discipleship for every Christian. But for many, it wouldn't be, because even though this book is easy to read, seriously, it's so easy to read. But the thing is that some prefer a book that stands alone and doesn't trace through scripture so pedantically. You know? So just, uh, this is the scripture, then this is the verse, this is explaining this. So some people don't like that, and I think that is a great pity. But if it's not going to be your first book, then at least make it your, eventually, your main book. Let this book be the framework for you to hang your thoughts on discipleship. And what do I mean by that? Remember how I kept asking you what your thoughts are? What, what topics would you include? Or what verse would you have? Why did you think it was important? And so on. So basically, the idea here is that today's book, if you follow the outline, you have part one, foundation of discipleship, part two, resources, part three, practices. And you have, uh, as life goes on, and you have uh, other ideas, other thoughts on discipleship, on your own personal journey, 
you could actually put that thought, that resource, that practice into these compartments, into these, these uh, so, so the book outlines discipleship in a way that allows you to hang those thoughts of yours uh, to be added on top of this uh, book. And in doing so, this tree, can I say a tree? Uh, it grows with your journey. So you'll find that the foundation will keep you away from excesses. It will guard you from going somewhere else. Um, and there are many ways where discipleship can go wrong because the foundation is just has been forgotten or neglected or whatever it may be. So if you keep the foundation strong, the tree, okay, the root of it, and then you just hang your different thoughts, your different emphasis, uh, your different experiences, whether it's resources or practices, um, it is a good way to actually um, structure and organize how you look, how you grow as a disciple. The book, I would say, is not very flashy. It doesn't promise a way to a million disciples. All it does is it promises to let the Bible speak on discipleship today. This is a reading and reader's review of the message of discipleship, Authentic Followers of Jesus in Today's World by Peter Morden. 276 pages published by InterVarsity Press UK in January 2019. It's available in Amazon Kindle for $8.99 and it's free in Logos until the 15th of November, until the middle of the month. And I just want to very quickly point out that something has happened at Logos and has been happening for quite a while now. I used to review free books from Faith Life. Well, there is no more Faith Life. They have moved the free books from Faith Life and renamed it to be the free ebooks in Logos. And that's not all. It used to be that there was one free book for the month in Logos. Now, they give us a free book every two weeks. So, that's great. That's great news. More books for free. The thing is, it is hard to read and review a book within two weeks. It was really tough with a month. So now we're talking about uh, within two weeks, getting a book, reading it, reviewing it, just in time for you to download it if you like the review. So that's no longer possible. <laughs> Since I don't intend to break myself to read and review a book within two weeks, I will just tell you that Logos has a free book every two weeks. And you should get it, download it, um, register for an account if you have not done so already, and get that book. And uh, listen to this uh, podcast if you want to know what the new book, what the free book is about, and make the decision whether you want to read it. The decision whether to get it or not should already be done. Okay, it's a done deal. So that's a question of whether you want to spend hours, days, weeks just uh, reading. Um, what should be a good book uh, worth your time. So today's book is definitely worth your time. Um, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.